Tonight, I've got, I do have some specific things on my heart and I want to look at, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at two, two well-known passages or groups in the Old Testament or individuals really, uh, but we're going to parallel them. We're going to flick back and forth between both these passages because there's some things I want to show you out of them. Uh, and the first is, is Moses and the second is Elijah. Both very well-known uh, Old Testament characters and people that God used. Both of them known for the manifestation of, of the power of God. Uh, if you were to think about two, two instances or the two, two of the most prominent Old, Testi Old Testament examples of the miraculous and the manifestation of the power of God, I would personally think Moses and Elijah to me would jump out as probably the two most significant uh, as to what they walked in. But there's some things that specifically that I want to point out in uh, out of both of them uh, tonight that I believe will 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 stir you in some areas. Uh, now, if you look in, if if we look at the circumstances when both of these men arose, uh, Israel was at its darkest time. Uh, with, with, with Moses, Israel was in bondage. They were under slavery. They were being held down. They had no hope of getting out by themselves. No, nothing they could do. If you look in, in with Elijah's time, the people were rebelling against God. They were giving into idolatry. They were walking after false gods. So the circumstances were different, but the overall effect was the same, is that the, the people of God, or, or let's put it this way, the darkness and the enemy had really gotten a hold of the people of God. We could put it like that. But in in the darkest times, in, 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 in the times when it seems like the enemy was at his strongest, those are the times that God uh, raised up two of the most powerful ministries in the Bible. Uh, and both of them walked in the miraculous. Both of them had the manifestation of the working of miracles. And, and for those of you who've heard me teaching on miracles recently, I believe that the manifestation of the, mir the miraculous, we are stepping into a day where we're going to see more of that, uh, including here in the UK. You know, for many, for many years, uh, I've known, um, you know, I used to hear about evangelists that would go to Africa and they'd hold big crusades and they'd have miracles happening all over the place. And then they'll come to the UK, <laughs> hold, hold, a, hold a big meeting, and it just seems like they couldn't get many miracles happening. Those same people would, you know, go elsewhere and have blind eyes open, ears, all kinds of things, legs grow, the dead raised, and then they'd come here and just... Some of them out of their own mouths would say, it just seems like we just can't get much to happen there in the UK. Well, I'm here to say that's about to change. And, and, and I believe that we are going to, there is an, uh, God is going to unleash the miraculous in this nation. Uh, yes, worldwide, but specifically talking about the United Kingdom, we are going to see the release of the miraculous and the, 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 the miraculous ministry begin to arise but in order for that to happen i believe there's some preparation and there's some things that 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 god wants us to see first and i'm going to point out a couple of them as we look at moses and elijah here so you know very often miraculous ministry arises when it least looks like god can do something and that's what I love about god even with revivals i've, I've been a student of revivals through history and I love it. 
many of the greatest revivals happened at the time when everybody said it couldn't happen. So <laughs> the thing about the move of God is it doesn't have to happen when we think the circumstances are ideal. When the enemy's standing up the strongest, when, 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 the, when, when it looks like the church is the, the furthest from God, that is when God has a habit of, of, of raising up men and women of God and manifesting in incredible ways and bringing a turnaround. But uh, so, as I said, I believe that the, the power gifts, the miraculous, even healing as well, and, and the manifestation of faith, those kind of what we often sometimes call the power gifts, uh, I believe we're going to see, we're stepping into a day where we're going to see more of them manifest in the UK. Uh, and But there's some things that God wants uh, wants to get ready in order for that to happen. Now, let's, let's just, you might want to just open, if you've got your Bibles there, let's open in two places. The first is 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. Uh, and the other one is uh, Exodus, I think I'll probably start in Exodus 4, I think, Exodus 5, okay? So 1 Kings 18 and Exodus uh, 5. As I said, we're going to flick back and forth between those uh, and, and draw out some points from both Moses and Elijah at the same time as we go. So during during Elijah's time, the nation was following after Baal. It seemed like, uh, you know, godliness was just almost non-existent in the nation. And, I, you know, I think sometimes people, we focus on all the negative things that were happening. But I believe that the, one, of the bigger re, one of the biggest reasons why the scriptures in Kings give quite a few chapters to this period of time is because of the ministry of Elijah. It's not to focus on all the negative stuff. It's to begin to write, show the answer and the, what the man that God raised up to 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 bring about change. So God raised up a man. He had a voice. Now, the, the, I'm not going to look at the whole passage with a, uh, at the whole of Elijah's time. I'm just going to look at the instance where he called fire down from heaven with the prophets of Baal, and I'm going to compare that to a few things in Moses' time. So let me just read here one Kings chapter eighteen. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 20, 20 and 21, just those two verses initially. Um, 1 Kings 18 verse 20, it says, So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. The first thing I want you to notice here, because later on in this passage is where Elijah called fire down from heaven. But what I want you to notice first is that before there was a manifestation of miracles, there was no miracles at this stage. The first thing that happened is, God, is Elijah spoke to them. He gave them the word. That this happened before the miracle. And sometimes, like I said, we associate Elijah, we associate Moses with the miraculous. But you're going to notice here, the first thing Elijah did was speak to them. He gave them an opportunity first with what he said, his words. 
Now, notice the same thing with Moses. I want you to see this with Moses as well in Exodus chapter 5. I think this is this is something that it's easy for us to, to miss because we get so focused on the miraculous happening through these two men. But Exodus chapter 5 verse 1 this is when Moses first goes before Pharaoh. Now, if 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 we were going to do this my way, let's say let's say for a moment that 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 this isn't going to happen God's way; it's going to happen my way, uh, and I'm the one who's going to decide how Moses is going to go to Pharaoh. This is how I personally would do it. I would I would say, blast in the door with a big bolt of fire from the presence of God. Walk in with the glory cloud falling all over you, stand before Pharaoh, do 15 miracles, and then tell Pharaoh what to do. Yeah? That's how my mind would say to do it. My mind would say, go in all guns blazing with the power of God. But that's actually not what happens. And my point is this. God, God has a specific way. He's, he's, he's doing things. And one of the reasons we, 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 we often don't see the manifestation of God is because we don't see this point. Many people are looking and say, God, do the miracles through us. That is often stage two or stage three. Okay. What does Moses do here when he walks into Pharaoh's court? Uh, Exodus chapter five and verse one. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, we'll come to Pharaoh's response in a minute. But notice this. This is Exodus chapter 5. Moses' first miracle happens in Exodus chapter 7. Two chapters later is when he throws his, his staff on the ground and it becomes a snake. Now, I even look at that and I think, he didn't really do the biggest miracle to start off with, did he? <laughs> I mean, he, the miracle he did with, okay, yeah, I, I mean, turning a, turning a wooden staff into a, a, a snake is actually pretty impressive, to be honest with you. You know, change the chemical substance of wood to change it into a living snake. But it, it wasn't his biggest miracle. He didn't lead with the power. He led with the word. He came in and he spoke to Pharaoh. He gave Pharaoh an opportunity to listen first before he went in with any power. That's exactly what Elijah did. Elijah walked in with the word of God first. He spoke to the people first. Now, like I said, this is, this is almost so subtle that we miss this because we think God's got to come in all guns blazing with revival, for one of a better expression. You know, come in with all the power first. Uh, but that's not what happens. Uh, what God does is God comes in speaking his word first. This is where God starts. Look at Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus' first um, message that we have recorded 
is Luke 4. I'm not, we won't go to the passage right now. Many people know. It's when he stood up and he quoted Isaiah. He stood up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And he says, To preach to, you know, to, uh, to all the different things, preach the gospel to the poor, the ministry, the brokenhearted. And then, the, then it says, He sat down and he said, This scripture's just been fulfilled. Now, if I was, if I, if I was, you know, there, I would have thought to myself, how did that scripture just get fulfilled? Because I didn't see any blind eyes open. <laughs> I didn't see any miracles happen. Jesus, Jesus gave them his word. He, he, he introduced with the word, then sat down and said, that's just been fulfilled. I said, well, where's the miracles, Jesus? See, God operates very differently to, to how we think. God starts, he leads with his word. He leads with his instruction. He comes in speaking what he wants. Now, why does he do that first? What's he looking for? God is looking for a people who will respond to what he says. That's what he wants. That's his highest priority. Now, it's great when people respond to the manifestation of God. Very often, that does turn a lot of people to God. But actually, it's interesting when you look at, like I said, these two, two of the most powerful men of God in the Bible, Elijah and Moses, and both of them came with the word first. And they waited for a response to that. There was no manifestation of power yet. There was no miracles. There was no great demonstration of God. First came the, what God was saying. And, and it was a matter of now, how are you going to respond? And this, when I was preparing this, this is what I had on my heart. We've, we've, we're talking, we, we've been saying for a while, we're in the season of revival. But what I had in my heart is actually this is the season we're in right now. What I'm pointing out right now, before revival comes, God begins to speak. God begins to say things. This is where we're at right now. Yes, we're on the verge. Yes, we're, yes we are leading into where there's going to be some of the most incredible manifestations of the glory and the power of God begin to happen across this nation. But God has a specific thing he starts with, and it's his word. And he's looking for the response to that first. Now, the other things will come. But out, when God begins to give his word, he, his desire is to begin to draw together a group of people, like I said, who will respond to that first. And, and very often, I believe this is where we're at right now in the UK possibly even worldwide. Now, I know worldwide, there's places where there is some demonstration of God happening. I'm not saying there's zero in this country. There's certainly things happen. Praise God, there's people here. I'm not saying there's zero, but not as en masse as we would like. So where are we right now? The, the, God's call is going forth right now. He's speaking out his word. Where we are in the UK right now is that God is, we're in stage one, phase one, you could say. And this often comes before all the manifestations. And why is God doing this? He's looking for the response that's going to come from that first. What did Jesus, what response when Jesus, when Jesus in Luke 4 said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And said all that, what response was he looking for? <laughs> well, if you, if you know anything about God and the word, he was looking for them to say, wow, Jesus, we believe that. Was that the response he got? 
<laughs> no, no, they, 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 they were like, yeah, whatever, you know, uh, who are you to say all of that? And, you know, all kinds of different reactions. Let's, let's, what, what response did Elijah and Moses get? Let's look at the responses. Well, 1 Kings chapter 18, we read it already. The first thing he said in verse 21, 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. No interest in hearing what God's saying, are they? They, they just look at him like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they're not heeding. They're not paying attention. Now, I, 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 um, I sometimes compare uh, in the Old Testament the way the children of Israel, b- before the children of Israel went into captivity, if you know anything about your Old Testament history, uh, they were a people who didn't, who didn't want to hear what the prophets said. You know, I, I, you look at a, a Jeremiah, you know, sometimes I read Jeremiah's book and I think, my word, we think we got it hard today in ministry. This guy, everything he said, no one wanted to listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he was, he, was, he was preaching contrary to the flow of all the other prophets. No one wanted to hear him. And all they wanted to do was shut him up, probably kill him, do anything else. So before Israel went into captivity, you've got people who've got no interest in hearing what God has to say. Now, they go into captivity, they go into Babylon, 70 years in Babylon, and we've talked about this in in other times. But what I love is the difference between the people who came out of Babylon and the people who went in. Look, Haggai, Haggai the prophet. Haggai was a prophet after the captivity, during the time of like Nehemiah and Ezra, when they started rebuilding. Okay, Haggai was one of the prophets that arose during that time. Jeremiah, I'm not sure. Tony, you tell me, how, how, many, how, many, how many chapters are there in Jeremiah? It's quite a lot anyway. Do you remember? It's a lot. It's one of the bigger ones though, yeah? <laughs> 55, yeah. How many, how many chapters? How many... <laughs> How many chapters? How many chapters? <laughs> how many chapters in Haggai? Anyone know? Two. <laughs> Two chapters in the book of Haggai. What I love about Haggai is Haggai, his ministry rises up. The people go back into the land. Haggai doesn't do any miracles. He comes in. The people initially they're starting to do their own thing and they've they've backed down and they're not building the temple anymore Haggai rises up he gives one bunch of prophecies he says the lord says you're not going to prosper you know the reason everything's going wrong is because you're not putting me first what happens immediately the people say oh we got it wrong they fix it they repent and that's the end of Haggai's ministry. <laughs> it's like, okay, this great Haggai ministry rose up for two chapters and he's gone. That's his whole message. He just said it. They believed it. They went with it and responded. Didn't have to do all kinds of miracles. I, I love that comparison. Because again, you see the difference between how people responded. Haggai's time. They, they said, all right, we've got it wrong. Let's do it right. They began to immediately respond to the word of God. Okay. Here with Elijah. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear what God's saying. Now, let's look at with Moses what the response was. And there's two different groups to look at with Moses. The first group with Moses is Pharaoh. Okay, so Exodus chapter 5, 
verse 4. Now, this is after Moses has come in, what we read a moment ago, and said, you know, let my people go. Exodus chapter 5, verse 4. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your labor. Uh, and then um, verse 6. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, and he basically gave them more work. He, he, he went the opposite direction. He resisted what God was saying. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, you know, all the things God did through Moses, uh, you know, I've even a Christian say, well, you know, why did God treat Egypt and Pharaoh that way? Actually, Pharaoh had a chance to heed the word of the Lord. There, there was no judgment. God didn't just arrive and pour judgment out. God spoke his word. God gave him an opportunity. Now, the end, at the end of the day, Pharaoh, if you've heard me teach on the covenant, Pharaoh had set himself up against God's covenant people. You don't do that without facing consequences. <laughs> okay? But God didn't come in there with judgment. God came in with his word. He spoke to him first. Pharaoh hardened his heart and pulled in the opposite direction. What about the people? What about the Israelites themselves? Exodus chapter 6. Now we've gone, there's no miracles happening yet. We've gone, like I said, Exodus 5. Now we're going into Exodus 6. No miracles are taking place yet. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses. I've highlighted that one in my Bible. They did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. What's happening here with this group of people? This group of people, okay, with Elijah, it's a people who are cold and hard and rebellious against God because they're going into Baal worship. They don't want to hear what God's saying. With Pharaoh, you've got, okay, a man who's hardened against God. Doesn't He, th he thinks he's all powerful. He doesn't have to listen to his God. But this group of people here, this group of people are so caught up in what the enemy is doing in their lives that they can't hear what God is trying to say to them. They caught up. They, the enemy has got this people squashed down. All Pharaoh did was increase it all. The cruel bondage, he gave them a harder workload. They are so weighed down under what the enemy is doing in their lives that the word of God is having no impact upon them. And they're not listening. They won't hear. See, this group, are, the, the enemy's got the better of this group. He's holding them right down. Now, <laughs> I believe I believe there's Christians right even on that are in that condition. Some Christians, then it's not just that they harden; they're not trying to outright rebel against the enemy. Yeah, you might get some. This get you get some that just don't want to hear what God has to say. But others are so caught up and distracted by what the enemy is doing that they can't get to a place where they begin to hear what God is saying. They're they're under that place of heavy bondage in their life, and the enemy's just Got, got his thumb on them, basically. And these people, they, they can't hear. They're not listening to what God is trying to speak through Moses because of this. Um, and, and then it goes on there. Um, I just want to see if there's... Um, but, Moses, but Moses again continues. We can go on to verse 10. 
Uh, and the, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then <laughs> shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Now, did, did, did God say, oh, Moses, you've got it hard. It's okay. You don't have to speak the word of the Lord anymore. <laughs> no. See, even Moses is thinking, God, they're not listening. Uh, verse 13, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. God is pressing forward with his purpose. Nobody's listening, but God's moving forward, isn't he? God is, God is on a track. He's on a path. Now, the best response would be to connect in and listen to that. Now, God, what path are you on? Let's hear you. Let's get on that path. But right now, no one's listening. And, and again, let me repeat what I said a moment ago. I believe this is where we are for, to, to, the, to the large extent right now. Even in this nation, I'm, I'm not going to talk worldwide in other nations. Let's just talk here for, 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 for the United Kingdom. And uh, there are things that God has been speaking. He's saying he's trying to talk. The, the, the question is, are we actually listening? Are we hearing it? Or are we so caught up in what's going on in our lives? Are we so caught up in what the enemy is doing? See, both Elijah and Moses had to stand alone because no one connected up with them. Now, that's not what God wanted. God, ideally, God wants people to start joining and connecting in as he begins to speak his word. Both of these men, I mean, okay, not totally alone. Moses had Aaron, but you know, the principle is a very small group of them anyway. Okay. They had to stand alone. Elijah, my question is this. Later on, Elijah, God says to Elijah, there's 7,000 others. I mentioned this just now. My question is this. Where were all of they when he was calling fire down from heaven? Where was that? I praise God there were 7,000 others, but where were they? We're not even told. This is just me. I'm thinking, God, where? why Why is Elijah in 1 Kings 18, 28, uh, 18 he says this. He says, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Why is this man feeling like he's having to stand up against this alone? Now, God doesn't need a crowd. Okay? God can move through one man. God can move through two, three, four. And when I say man, I mean man and woman. Yeah? But ideally, as God began to speak his word, what he was looking for is to, for people to start coming on the side of the man he was trying to speak through. And, and what he was trying to say. Now, let's look at something else that happened to Moses. Now, I'm dwelling on this point for a little bit because I'm looking at the responses. Because I believe these are the kinds of responses we are seeing and we might even see more of. Okay. Yes, we are moving into something. I believe we, there's going to be some of the most amazing manifestations of the glory of God that we're going to step into. But we're in a stage right now where God is speaking things and he's looking for responses. Okay. Look, let's go back to Exodus 5 and look at Moses again. Moses, uh, not Moses, Exodus 5 verse 20 and 21. 
not only did the people, not only were they so under the enemy's control, but look at what happens next in their responses. Exodus chapter 5 verse 20 says, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his ser- servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now the people start turning on Moses. Now the people start getting angry. They think Moses is the problem. They start attacking what Moses is here by instruction of the Lord. He is speaking out. But they are so caught up in and focused on what Pharaoh is doing that one, they can't hear what God's actually saying. And two, they now starting to oppose what God's trying to do. They're turning on the man of God. Okay, this is this is a people who've got no faith and confidence in the word of God. No faith and confidence in the word of God. Now, out of all that, I've come to this conclusion. When God begins to, when, when God, be, let me put it to you this way. Let's say, first of all, when the enemy rises up strong, and when God begins to come to rise up in response to that, you see the people of God get divided into, into two main camps. The people of God, it's amazing. You'll see, you'll you'll get, and very often it's the minority, you get that group who begin to believe God. They begin, they, there is a group who begin to, 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 to rise up with confidence in God in the face of the onslaught of the enemy. The enemy rises up stronger. The people who, who, who are listening to what God is saying rise up stronger. And they begin, they, they have greater faith, greater confidence in God. They dig their heels in the ground and they begin to believe that the power of God can smash through whatever the enemy's doing. You get one group of people, and very often maybe even one individual, <laughs> who, ha- who, who, who respond to the enemy with faith in God. Then you get the other camp. You get the other group. You get the others who cower in fear. You get the others who back down. You get the others who are so focused on what the enemy is doing that that is all they can see. That begins to captivate them. And they, they, can't, they can't grab a hold of faith in God because all they see is what the enemy is doing and the size of what the enemy is doing. Now, in, in thinking about that, I was reminded of a couple of other passages. Now, I'm going to go back to Moses and Elijah. But the first I was reminded of was Gideon. Gideon. You know, when God raised up Gideon, um, and Gideon sent out a rally cry for people to to come and fight, I think he got 32,000 people. Okay? (coughs) God turned to Gideon and said, you got too many people. (laughs) God doesn't need a lot. (laughs) But the first group... When God said, okay, we need to get rid of some of the, you've got 32,000 people in your, in your army, you need to get rid of some of these. What's the first group God said get rid of? Basically, God said to Gideon, anyone who is afraid. Anyone who's afraid, tell them to go home. The first 
group God filtered out of Gideon's army was the ones who, who, who were afraid. Why? They were afraid of dying. They were afraid of what the enemy could do, afraid of whatever. He lost 22,000 people right there. His army went from 32,000 to, 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 to 10,000. Okay? And then God filtered it down a bit from there to 300. But it's amazing for me that the first group that God said, he said, get rid of the ones who are afraid. Why? Because God needs people who believe him. God needs people of faith and confidence, not people who are afraid of the enemy. If God's going to use people, he needs to use the one. He, he wants to use the people who are not intimidated by what the enemy is doing. The other group, the other passage in the Bible I was reminded of is David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Now we're talking about the, the two groups of people and the way they responded. You know, um, we all know the passage where, um, let me jump before David and Goliath. When, when, when the prophet Samuel went to, um, I've forgotten David's father's name's Jesse, wasn't it? Jesse. Uh, when, he, when he went to David's father and he was going to pick the next king. Uh, you remember how they lined up all of David's brother, his oldest brother first, Eliab. And then the, and it names his next two. You've got Eliab and I can't remember the names of the other two. We're given three names of three of David's brother that stood before the prophet first. And um, uh, most of us know the passage. You've probably heard where God said, um, uh, 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 God looks at the heart. Do not look at the outward appearance. For God, uh, Do not look at the statue. For God does not look at the outward appearance, but at the heart. Yeah? Most of us have heard that scripture. Now, I, I, over and over again, because I've mentioned when I teach in Bible colleges, I say this to the students. Who was God talking about when he made that statement? When God said, uh, you know, basically, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Who was he talking about? Anyone? Now, that was the, it was Samuel who was speaking, but he was speaking it. And God said it to Samuel when when. He was picking the next prophet, okay? Now, let me answer it. I'll answer it because people, uh, um, most of the time when I say to the Bible college students, who was God talking about? They'll say, oh, well, God was talking about David. God was talking about how he looks at David's heart. So actually, when God spoke that statement, David was not yet present. Now, yes, that statement applied to David. But actually, when God said, I do not look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart, he was talking about Eliab, David's brother, David old, David's oldest brother. It was Eliab who was in front of the prophet and God, God said, I have refused him. Now we talk about God choosing people, but when you look in the Old Testament, it's get a bit of a shock sometimes when God refuses people. <laughs> okay. Remember he said of, of King Saul, I have refused him. I've rejected him from being king. Well, God looked at Eliab and said, no. He said, I have refused him because I look at the, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. That means, that tells me, first of all, it tells me that Eliab was considered. To refuse him, he must have been considered. Yeah? You don't, you don't say, I refused something if you didn't at least consider it. But that tells me God saw something in Eliab that said, he can't be the next king. 
God saw the wrong thing in Eliab. Now, let's jump a little bit forward again. Go to the passage with David and Goliath. When David arrived at the battle of Gal- with Goliath, you know who was the first person to speak up against David? When David said, oh, let's go get him. Come on, I'll go, I'll go fight him. Eliab, his brother, was the first one to speak up. Eliab was there. He was in the army. He was in Saul's army. And that, you know, in other words, what was, before David arrived, what was the army doing? Every time Goliath came out and said, send me a man to fight against me. Does anyone know what the whole army of Israel did? They all ran away in fear. They, 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 they ran. They, they, they were intimidated by the enemy. You know who was in that group? Eliab. This guy had no, no faith in God. He had no confidence. He was a man who was intimidated by the enemy. He was in the army of the ones who were all running away from Goliath. God saw that a long time before. He saw that this man is not a man who's going to rise up in, in confidence. That's, that's one good reason why God done, didn't want him to be king. Yeah? Now, I could point out other things about Eliab. We're not told a lot. I think he had problems in his love walk. That's another thing by, the, by his attitude toward David, but that's for another message. Okay. But the two things I see about Eliab is one, he had some problems in his, he had brother problems. But two, he had no faith in God. He ran from Goliath in fear. These are not the kind of people that God wants to raise up. See, which camp are we in? Which group are we in when the enemy speaks out, when the pressure's on? Are we in the group that runs away in fear? So I said, when, when, the, when the pressure of the enemy comes on, when the enemy rises up stronger than ever before, people of God divide into two groups. You see it every time in scripture. You see the ones that get caught up under the pressure of the enemy and they get afraid. And then you get the individuals very often, unfortunately, the minority, the smaller crowd that begin to rise up with faith in God and begin to speak the word of God and stand on the things of God in the face of the enemy. Those are the ones God's, God is looking for. That's what God's looking for in his people. So when God speaks his word, that's what he did first with Elijah. It's what he did first with Moses. He spoke, didn't do the miracles. What was he looking for? He was looking for the response he was going to get. He was looking for the people who would rise up strong with what God was saying and respond to that. Unfortunately, with both Elijah's group and Moses' group, didn't get any of that. And, 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 and Elijah and Moses had to, had to stand alone. But just trying to look at how long I've been teaching here. Okay. Now, let me make this point again. I believe we're in that stage now. I believe that is where we stand right now. It's not about why aren't the miracles happening now. It's about first God speaks and how are we responding? How are we responding to what God is saying in the face of the rise of the enemy? And these become the people that God then begins to move through as he begins to manifest himself. With Gideon, got rid of the ones in fear, chopped it down to an army of 300, 
Then the power of God manifested. With David, (coughs) none of the people in fear slew Goliath. It was the one individual who walked in there with the right response. Moses, Elijah. Okay? Then what happened? Let's look. Well, we don't really need to go into the details of the manifestation of the miraculous, but let's see. Uh, with it, with in one Kings eighteen, I won't go. We it's quite a long from verse twenty three all the way to verse thirty nine is where now the, the the fire of God manifests. But let's ju- actually let's uh, let's just read the last two of those verses. One Kings eighteen verse thirty eight and thirty nine. Now this is after Elijah calls fire down from heaven. This is after, you can read that chapter yourself, most of us know what happens. He, 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 wet, he poured water all over the altar and then called fire down. But he first gave the, the prophets of Baal a chance to try to do it. And then he mocked them because they couldn't do it, which is quite funny. But verse 38 and 39, now you see the manifestation of power arises. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he's God, the Lord, he's God. I look at that and think, you guys took your time to to turn to God, didn't you? (laughs) There are some people that are not going to respond until the manifestation happens. There's some people that it's going to take that far for it, for them to actually have a response from God. You know, it's amazing. Even these days, you get people who are getting discouraged. Say, you know, we, you know, we're calling people to get to pray and get passionate about revival and people aren't responding. Don't go, don't, don't. We're not looking for the majority yet. The majority will come in after the revival starts, they won't be the ones that start the revival. I've said this before. There's a lot of people that come in to the revival. We want to be the ones that start the revival. We want to be the ones that are in place that usher the revival in. There's many that'll come in after the power manifest. They join the boat late. <laughs> okay. Same thing with Moses. Let's read the example in Moses' instance here. Exodus, Exodus 7. Well, in, in, in this instance, Pharaoh grew, his heart grew harder. But let's just read it anyway. Exodus 7 verse 8. Um, then the Lord, uh, like, no, before I read this, Exodus 7. This is two chapters. Remember I said, this is the first time the, 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 the miraculous manifests. We started in Exodus 5, Exodus 6, Exodus 7. Now, I don't know how many days, how many hours. I don't quite know. I don't think we're exactly told. But there's a, at least a little bit of time goes past in between these two chapters because there's enough time for Moses to increase the workload on the, the Israelites and for them, for the Israelites to start getting discouraged because of the, the increased workload. Potentially, you've got days, weeks or months have gone past. I don't know exactly, okay? Exodus 7 and verse 8. Then the, word, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you saying, Show a miracle for yourself, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Um, 
and verse 10 they did so but verse 11 pharaoh's wise men did exactly the same thing okay uh, verse 13, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Now we know from there it picks up because the miraculous begins to increase and increase and increase because Pharaoh won't, respond, won't respond. But what I found when I was reading this, I've always, I've always thought, man, I mean, like I said, turning a piece of wood into a snake, that's a pretty impressive miracle. But it wasn't his best miracle. Why didn't he come in with the biggest one first? Why didn't he lead in? Because that's not the point of how God operates. That's how we want God to operate. Each stage he's giving Pharaoh a chance. And he's, he increases the level of the manifestation as he goes. Okay? Now these are not just, these are not just nice Bible passages. They're not just nice Bible stories. They're not just in there to give us a good... Sunday school story to tell our kids. <laughs> These are in there because God has put them in there because they're there to teach us things. They're there to show us things. Uh, they're there to show very often, like I said, when the, when, when the world is at its darkest, that's when things are primed for revival. That's when God, that's when God is going to raise up these kind of ministries. I'm convinced in the bottom of my heart that we are in the day where we are going to see the rise of the miraculous ministries. But when it comes to the end us as the people of God, what God wants is a people who respond to his word. Okay. Um, Mark chapter 16, where Jesus gave the, the great commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be damned. But the one thing he says in there is, these signs shall follow those who believe. Believe what? This, it doesn't say, the signs will come and then you'll all believe. Something must have happened first before the signs come. These signs will follow those who believe. That means the believing came before the signs. What did they believe? The word. If we want to reach the stage where the signs happen, the response to the word has to happen first. This is, what, this is where we are right now in the body of Christ, in the United Kingdom. And that's the core of my message. I know I keep repeating that, but that's what we've got to realize. This is where we are right now. If we ever want to get to the stage where the signs happen, where the outpouring happens, we've got to follow the pattern, the path. And this, it starts with God presents his word first. And he looks for a, a response of belief. Then he says, those are then the ones the signs follow. Many large portions of the church want the signs to pour out and then they'll dive in and follow and listen, the Lord, listen to the Lord. That's not what the group God's looking for. Amen. To be honest with you, that's what I've got on my heart for today. And that's, that's, I think there's a lot in that. So I'm not going to just go on and on and on and on just for the sake of it. Um, I think that's a good, that's, that's a good, um, point point for me to end the teaching right there i'm not one of those teachers that goes on for three hours i think it's because 
I, I don't have I don't have a problem. Hey, Paul preached all night. I don't have any problem with that. Sometimes I do. But I think because I've spent many years teaching in Bible schools, I'm very used to the bell goes at 45 minutes. Stop, stop. You've got to stop teaching now. So I'm very much in those kind of... <laughs> frame of mind does anyone does anyone let me open let me throw it up because i like to do this does anyone have any response anything you want to say in response to any of that